So the next episode of the podcast, I am joined by Mr. Andrew Woolley, a Welshman, um, as I'm sure you will hear with his accent. So thank you very much for taking the time to join, Andrew. How how are things? Uh, You're welcome. I've been looking forward to it, Craig, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, it's... uh, you, I think you're one of those guys that's like, yeah, like get me on. You know, I'm really enjoying listening to it, and I'm glad that to get that kind of feedback as well. You, you seem to enjoy listening to it as well, and obviously you've got a lot of experience and be able to sit on the other side now, so it should be an interesting one. Um, but for before we go into any kind of conversation, can you just give us a bit of a, for, for people who don't know who you are or what you do, just a bit of a background about yourself, what you're currently doing, um, and yeah, things yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, by all means. Um, right, okay, so whoa, short version. Okay, 30 years been plugging away doing marketing. Uh, run my own company for a good number of years, got bored of that. Widened my perspective by going and working for a couple of agencies to make a bit more sense of it all. And I think that's where, even from the perspective of SEO, we look at all the pieces that connect together, such as PPC, content writing, web development, project management, and obviously marketing campaigns. So that gave me a good headset of all the, the players that you need in order for a brand to move forward. So I worked through a couple of agencies, um, did a big project then with the Welsh government and a big affiliate company, and then sort of got burnt out at the end of 2017. Too many hours, working hours, and I decided to go freelance. So I took the leap of faith again, became self-employed, set up my own little boutique SEO agency called One SEO. So it's just three of us in it. Myself who does marketing SEO, Sarah does the SEO and PPC, and then Scott who does the content writing. But that sort of grew quite quickly because we talk the languages for agencies. So we basically just promoted to agencies as a bolt-on, and I represented them up and down the UK. Happy to do that. Um, But I got to the point, again, burning myself out, very long hours, lots of agencies coming forward and putting multiple clients in front of me. And I sort of wanted to keep doing a bit of the teaching as well, which is an opportunity that fell into my lap. And then a little bit like yourself, Craig, uh, I sort of realized I want to increase my digital footprint and build my brand awareness, which is where a lot of people know me well in Swansea because of the number of things I do. And like your good self, I run a digital meetup as well, uh, Swansea Digital Marketing Meetup and SEO Group. Um, so in the last couple of years, I'm getting better known, but I've been quite selective how to sort of build that digital footprint and connect with the right sort of individuals like your good self. So that's kind of my background. It was heavily marketing and SEO. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting to hear. Um, the the most interesting part that you say though, and it, something that I can resonate quite well with, is the burnout part. Oh god, um, yeah. So, what what is it you feel that that's burning you out when when you're uh, you know is it the kind of dealing with clients you know or or just do you, do you get bored easily you know you, where, where does the problem lie because obviously I've been there and I've adapted. Yes. Uh, my own business to suit my own personal, you know, hates, or if you want to call it hates. No, no, I get you. I get you. I mean, to be the, the short answer is all of those. To be honest, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, I think there's an element in every entrepreneur. It's the ego, the ego that you want recognition, reward for what you do. And you know what? Why not? We are social animals. At the end of the day, we deserve what we get. And if we don't pat ourselves on the back, sometimes you don't get a pat at all. 
that's kind of an element that drives all of us. And I think when I've met lots of SEO people and anybody in the sort of marketing field, they are passionate because at the end of the day, they're on a personal journey as much as they're working for a client. And it's nice when you get the value for the client. But as you just said there, you get to the point that sometimes you hate the clients you're dealing with because they don't value the work you're doing. And you have to, unfortunately, you have to open those doors, do an element of the project with them and realize this is not the right fit for you because you're not the perfect synergy of a partnership. So I've gone through numerous uh, clients like that. And, you know, we've come to amicable, you know, um, uh, separation. But then I've met many fantastic clients, the ones that still work with us in our agency, and I handle a few of those. And those are great relationships because you're you're adding value to them. They're paying you for good work, which, as you know, is part and parcel of the journey, finding what you're worth and charging for it, which is where most people feel scared to do these days. And then once you get to that scenario, a win-win for everybody because they get the organic traffic they get the conversions you get paid handsomely for it and then you don't look you don't have that fear and trepidation come the end of a month when you've got to do a a catch-up call and you've got some reports and you're thinking oh my god we need to fudge this which is unfortunately too much agency yeah (laughs) good agencies out there let me do put that there are some good ones but likewise there are some dire ones as well yeah, I think with anything, you know, whether it's clients or agencies or anything, there's and in SEOs as well, you know, there's good, the the bad and the ugly. Yeah. And I think, you know, you what you've said there is is something I as I say I resonate with. You've got to say no to certain types of clients and not be fearful of it. And one of the failures I keep saying on different podcasts that I've had with an agency in the past was undercharging, over delivering and not oh, being God, yeah. Yeah. well by the client and uh, you know as a guy who was new to that type of you know building an agency thing um i didn't know any better you know i didn't know i, I just thought get get any old client and let's stack them up and and make millions and millions of pounds um, until you get that burnout anxiety yeah um you know, I, stress levels are through the roof it's it's insane i think the the biggest problem there and this is where our heart for not just agencies but brands per se is that we undercharge because we don't give a realistic expectation to the client it's here you know it it's you know, it resonates a little bit more out there nowadays, but unfortunately, it's still a little bit cloak and dagger. How long does it take to web, uh, you know, rank my website? Well, ultimately, that's a marketing question, not an SEO one, because it depends. It depends on the resources, how much uh, time and energy you've got, how competitive that market is, what you're actually after. And once you answer more specific questions, that gives you the criteria to move forward. But once you know that, more so like from an agency or even an individual's point of view, where you're using freelancers, you've got to stack the boxes. And what I mean by that is you're stacking the content writers, the the website changes, the emails, the SEO campaigns, the PPC. And if one of those is weak, it can bring the whole lot down. And that's a problem I experienced quite a few times in the agencies, is you go in with a set price per month to a client. And then when you slice that up and put it to the respective teams, actually, you can end up just doing two hours on an SEO client for a month. And you're thinking, I'm not going to move the needle here or make any difference that's going to be significant. But they're getting value elsewhere. And I heart for agencies that are built that way. And I, and, and I say agencies, but I also think a lot of like freelance go with that sort of mentality as well and i think you have to be very careful going down that road yeah it's but you don't know what you don't know and, and no exactly 
<laughs> so yeah, as long as you're quick to kind of adapt and figure it out as you go along. Um, well, that's, then, kind, that's yeah. kind of where I come from nowadays, and I enjoy the teaching because my go-to when it comes to teaching is teaching people about value and nothing else because mm-hmm. everything is built on that. Know your value and sell yourself on that. If you consider you're only £20 an hour, fair enough, but if you consider you're £200 an hour or more, then you should be charging that as long as you have the justification to prove it and then deliver it. Yeah. I mean, I think um, we all suffer um, from that at one point in our careers is is undervaluing the skills and the service that we provide. And I'll tell you a story. Once um, I had this bunch of lawyers, well, it was a, a legal firm, and they said to me on the phone, you know, we're doing really well. And um, can you come in and talk to us? We want to talk to you. And, and I said, what well, you know, what what's it regarding? Just see if there's any other options for us to generate more leads. Yeah. So I went into the office, and that wasn't the reason they wanted me to go there. Um, so they took it upon themselves to have like three lawyers sat in front of me, and they said to me, "So we're doing really well, really happy with the traffic, everything else, but." we don't understand how many man hours um, go into this project. We don't really understand what it is you're doing. Um, and, you know, I was always quite evasive. Not evasive, but I'm not going to sit and tell someone exactly what I'm doing. Like yeah. the, the reports are going to be traffic, uh, rankings and conversions. And that's something, you know, you, you would not go into a car mechanic, for example, and say to him, Listen, dude, you've serviced my car there and you've charged me a hundred bucks. Like I need to know what screwdriver you used, um, and the exact centimeters of oil that you changed and all that kind of digging about and you know, and where did you buy the screwdriver and how much did it cost? You know, people yeah. feel that it's acceptable to dig that deep and what they what they're doing is they're not valuing us as like individuals who have maybe taken 17 years, for example, to be able to do things yes. in a much smarter way. And I'm not being penalised for that because I can't put it down to man hours. You know, I'm not selling a labour service or, no. you know, whatever. So, um, Can I add some context to that? Because it's exactly the same dilemma I've had over the last couple of years because my partner, Sarah and Scott, say exactly the same to me. I tell clients too much. But then I, I kind of try and keep an impartial view. And I think about it. You're right. If you go into the garage and you ask to, you go in there and you say, well, I want this bill broken down and I want to know exactly how you did it, how step by step. Okay. But is that a bad thing? Because at the end of the day, as much as I go in there to see how the mechanic has repaired the engine, I don't give a shit about actually doing it because I don't have the time. And one of the lessons I learned from a very long and um, uh, prestigious marketer is, as he said, everyone is time poor. So as much as you see lots of these how-to videos, and I have it now when I talk to clients, and they say, all right, so how did you do this? And why did you do that? And I explain the process, which is the secret sauce in some cases. I just know they won't do it because at the end of the day, they don't have the time. And I think you've seen that resonate over the last couple of decades where you've seen influencers and you know good marketers out there explaining to people on stages, you need to do this and you need to do that because they know less than 1% will actually go and do it and implement it. So I kind of 
I, it's nice to keep the secret sauce back and not say specifically do this and specifically do that, granted. But actually demonstrating and talking about the process, I don't think is a bad thing because sometimes when you go into those discovery meetings with clients, it resonates your capability, your passion, your knowledge. And those are the things that switch them on to think, oh, this is a guy for the job. So that's my sort of take on it. Whether I'm right or wrong, you know what? It's all about winning the client and then doing the doing the deed, getting the job done, and then getting paid. But each to their own, isn't it? Uh, yeah, definitely each to their own. You've got to do what kind of humors the client and keeps them sending that paycheck um, yes. <laughs> every month. But it's it's obviously debatable as to how much information you want to give to them. Yeah. I mean, I think. Client education is massively important, and the more a client understands or gets SEO, the easier that client becomes, and True. you know things just happen easier. But I think there's a kind of big gray area there um, as to where I would debate and how transparent you should be, because I've been overly transparent with people in the past, and it's they're basically you know I've ended up getting kicked out, and I've just done it in house because I've made it sound too easy for them, yeah, <laughs> and. You know, there's loads of other things because you understand SEO well and you're being transparent and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes you're probably playing it down uh, slightly. It's, it's a hard one to call because ultimately you don't know what's in the client's mindset. Are they basically yeah. using you as a short stopgap in order to bring the services in-house? And if they are, mm -hmm. they're going to learn what they can off you and get what value they can. Or are they just being... Oh, I just want to understand the process and understand the value. Because as you know, when you've sat opposite clients, the ones that don't ask any questions are the ones that don't give a shit. And somewhere yeah. down, the down the road, they don't value what you did anyway because they didn't care to understand it. So you need, that, you need enough investment from them to appreciate that this is what SEO is, not a dark art. It has a fundamental part to play about being found online. And then when you realize that, and I think it's something that Gary Vaynerchuk says all the time, is that any business or brand out there is a media company first and foremost. Because if you don't get found online, it doesn't matter how good your service or product is, no one's going to bloody find it to buy it. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I took the easy option and speak at meetups and on stage. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's spreading the word, isn't it, at the end of the day? Exactly, but uh, nah, I think it's interesting to hear um, your viewpoint on uh, how much you give to a client and and stuff like that. And, and, you know, obviously what I want to talk about next with yourself is the education side of things. Yes. Um, because, again, I've done training courses and I think it's a great thing to do because just what you said there, some clients want you to – um, train them, help them, you know, be their mentor, consultant, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and I think being transparent in that and sometimes knowing that a client just wants everything you've got and will pay you for six months. Yeah. I'd rather the client just said to me, just come into my office once a month for six months and we'll pay you for training. Um, I just want to pick your brain and know everything that you're doing. And it's a great model. And Obviously, I, I, you know, I've helped people build up their own internal teams, yeah. which which is crazy because I get kicked out the door at the end <laughs> of it. But, yeah, but um, here's, here's the thing, right? No, there is no one else like Craig Campbell. 
There is no one else like me. And what I mean by that is you've lived certain life and gone through certain campaigns and experiences that is giving your rationale, your decision-making process that allows you to implement something in a way that will get a result that you can't always convey to a team and you can't educate someone else because they're not doing it day in, day out like you are. So at the end of the day, as much as you can educate a team or pass on some knowledge, because you're living and breathing this all the time, you will always be ahead of that curve. So therefore, you will always have the value in order to keep pushing forward. And that's what I kind of do from the teaching perspective. I don't know everything. I never call myself an expert or professional because I learn every single day. And in this very field of digital marketing, be it an element of SEO, it changes on a dime all the time. So I think you have to just look at the fundamental things that you know work and apply good common sense because Google can do you you know 180s at any time on their decision on something. You've seen that with the meta descriptions a couple of years ago, and they they went from what 156 up to 320, then back to 150. And you just think it you can't play tennis. Just do something you know is solid, good, and reliable for the client. And if you're talking the right sort of stuff on page as well as off page, it'll get a result. Yeah. Um, but what I really like about your business uh, um, model is you said earlier um, prior to us coming on um, to the podcast is that you do three-day client work, two-day training. Um, and what I think there's a lot of is people are jumping into this training bandwagon um, because they think it's easier money. Um, and there's a lot of guys that are just doing training all day, every day. Yeah. And they're not actually practicing what they preach. And I think, you know, that's where problems arise because they're potentially teaching you stuff that's, you know, a year out of date, two years out of date, um, sometimes even worse. Oh, oh worse still, regurgitated information because they haven't got off their arse and basically done the tests themselves, run on, run on multiple websites like Kyle Roof does in America, like I know you do. So you actually know whether something does or doesn't work because you can't find all the answers out there. The only way to then find them out is do a test. But you know those golden nuggets only exist for so long because the digital landscape is going to change. So from my perspective, the the teaching is all about pushing forward other minds, inspiring them, but also learning at the same time with me that I don't lose certain skills. Now, you talked about it there. A lot of people go into the teaching or the consultation side of things. It's not an area that I'm looking to do or promote on a private level yet. Because I think you need a good stalwart of credibility behind you and that people then, when they check you out and say, well, they are. If I'm comparing eggs to eggs, I know which one I bloody choose. And I think that's, <laughs> that's the difference in the market. Everybody seems to think they're an expert. But in reality, when you dig a little bit deeper, you realize, hold on, there's only a few people really know what they're talking about. I think, yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, I, I don't know how to quantify that in terms of numbers, but yeah. um, in terms of everywhere I go, um, whether it's America, whether it's in the UK, there is only a handful of guys that really, really know what they're doing and actually do it day in, day out. Loads of guys can talk a great game and there's just sales guys and they just somehow course. have mastered how to talk SEO very well um, or sell other people's services or whatever it may be. Um, well, they know yeah. the technical babble, don't they? And they just drop it in the conversation and that makes them sound intelligent. 
It's when it comes to the <laughs> delivery, hey, you know what? It's something bloody else. In, yeah. fair, in fairness, you go on most like the, the forums, like the one that Steve Klang runs, the SEO signals, and now and again, they'll do those surveys. How many people out there actually have genuine, hard-fought knowledge they've run by tests or those that are just doing it by regurgitated information they read off like search engine land or Google and stuff like that. And it's, you know, most people's impression is it's less than 3 or 5%. And they're probably not wrong, you know, to give that a quantifiable number. It is probably that because, you know what, most people are bone idle. They don't do it yeah. because they've got passion in this industry. They just do it because it's a job. And if exactly. it, and that's the differentiator is you can tell when you speak to some people they give a shit. I, I call it the gaff factor. Give a fuck, and you can always yeah. tell. There's no polite way of saying that one when you're in a meeting to suits and boots. But at the end of the day, they get it. They know exactly what you mean by it, and that is what always differentiates when you're having a quick conversation with somebody, and you know whether they're going to be somebody who's going to move the needle or somebody's just going to do it by the numbers, and it might or might not work. Yeah, I think certainly when it comes to education or, or learning as an SEO, and, and a lot of people won't see this in the background. And, and as I say, I can't really speak for everyone, but the only ones that I know that are successful are the ones that are actually passionate about it and they're not seeing it as a nine-to-five job opportunity. Oh God, no. That's <laughs> Um, and it's going to lead on to the next thing I want to talk to you about, but I'll tell you a way that I identify some of these people is by doing the the meetups that I've done um, and, uh, you know, people are taking time out of their own personal time to come to the meetups that I was organising at night time. And that shows me, one, that they, they, they care about personal development and learning. And that ticks a massive box for me when you're looking at people to, educate you know or, or work with or yes. you know, hire or whatever it may be um it's your you know, sort of it's, litmus test isn't it the ones that step over the line and want to be counted yeah and i don't think there's many people doing it you know the meetups go really well and all that kind of stuff but at the meetups i do and, and obviously i'm going to ask you questions about your meetup in a minute yeah but, but at the meetups i do and you know they were getting say 100 plus people there and that's all good and well but at the bar, after the meetup, there's maybe 10, 15 guys that hang around. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's those guys that are hanging about. They are the clever ones, um, the real clever ones, because they're picking brains, yes. mingling, networking, and everything else. And you'll see, you'll put, and I want to see if that's the case um, at your particular meetup. It, um, it is. It's the ones that turn up early and it's the ones that stay late because at the end of the day, they've got an agenda. And that, there's no shame in that. We've all got agendas at the end of the day, but it's about, in this day and age, collaborating with people to get results. And to, to be fair, we literally, last Thursday was our year anniversary and we had a fantastic turnout there. Can't claim 100, but we get, we're getting steady numbers and seeing regular faces. First thing I always do in the room is I like to identify just by putting their hands up what's the difference between you know if we've got contractors in here freelancers in here agencies in here business owners in here so you get a, f a fair idea and to be honest every single meetup we've done over the last year it's pretty much split it's not heavily yeah. influenced one way or the other so the a that's great because that tells me there's a thirst for that knowledge out there and then the difficulty i have because obviously probably the same with you is when you're running that you get bogged down by having a lot of conversations for a couple of hours afterwards which is fantastic but you get to meet a lot of characters 
Now, from my own personal experience, I've collaborated on several projects already. And I don't like to call it a networking group, but I do use that from an SEO point of view because ultimately a lot of work gets passed in that room. And that's that's a nice byproduct. It was never my intention, but it's a nice byproduct of it. Uh, no, it's, and it certainly wasn't my intention um, either. I mean, I'll give you a bit of the background on how I started with a meetup. Um, and I don't know if I've actually said this in the podcast before, but me and a guy called Andy Drinkwater um, used to meet up in a town called Chester. Um, right. And it was for a beer. I was down there. Um, I had a training consultancy gig with a client down there. So I was down there once a month on site. And uh, we used to just meet up for beers when I was down there. And one day we just jokingly said, uh, we just actually jokingly put up and meet up actually. Um, wonder how many people would be interested in a meet up. Let's do it. You know, I was coming down on the Thursday and it was a Sunday night. So I put this thing up and meet up and 16 people turned up. Yeah, that's bloody there good. Was no meet up. There was no There was no meet up arranged. There was no speaker, no nothing. Yeah. And all these guys are all coming and having beers and we're like, fuck. Um, so we said, thank you very much for coming. We just wanted to see if there was demand. Um, and the very first meetup we had, we probably had a hundred, like proper meetup, a hundred plus people came to the, the one at the next month. Um, and it was a kind of joke thing and we were just doing it because we were bored listening to each other's <laughs> stories and we thought, let's see if anyone else in Chester's really into um, SEO. And so you say that, say, that's the un- fundamental entrepreneur inside you is you're prepared to have a go at something, and whether it works or fails, that's not the issue. It's that you keep doing something, and by doing something, you discover something new. And that's the true entrepreneur that's obviously in your blood. And it's yeah. nice when you get the rewards out of it because you're not looking for that. You just look because you can't predict something because you've never done it before. You know, there's no yeah. benchmarking at all. But it's, it is, you know, I've, I've had lots of good comments from it. You know, so many opportunities that have been given to me, but unfortunately the workload's too full. But again, as I say, and this is in the same speech I do every single time when I introduce before the speakers go on, right, I tell them exactly what I'm here for, personal branding and establishing my credibility online right? I'm shameless about it. I do it. But as I then, I spin the bottle and I say to everyone, so what the fuck are you all here for? Because nobody comes out on a dark evening's night to spend a couple of hours watching just two presentations and mixing with a load of strangers in a room unless you want something out of it. And you know what? To write, you should. So bring your business cards. Start networking with people. There is some fantastic talent in South Wales. I'm just lucky I'm the organizer for this event because I've met good people already that have helped me on multiple projects. And that's my spiel every single time. And you know what? It's nice then when you hear some stories people already collaborated got some work out of it and started getting busy and i think yeah well that didn't happen unless i orchestrated it very much like yourself yeah no it's, it's nice to see that happen and see others do well um it's not always just about your own um personal gain although sometimes it is about your own personal gain but it, it, is, um, it is i mean personally and i say this i, I just can't do any more hours Literally can't do yeah. any more hours because I'm teaching in three colleges, between three colleges at the moment, and then I have just two personal clients, and then I have one local client. 
and that is probably 78 hours a week so i'm i'm on that way to burnout again but i'm on the way on the way for a change that the burnout i'm doing for for this time is i'm actually getting paid what i'm 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 entitled to and i can say hand on heart it's probably the most money i've ever earned how much it is, I don't know, because it comes in so many different directions by different amounts. But I'm content enough it pays the bloody bills. Yeah, <laughs> I think um, once you've got yourself into that space where you're not actually um, that fussed and you, you know you're just paying the bills and you're doing well is a nice place to get to. Um, well, you've got your we little are- one, haven't you? He's, what is it? only two months old, isn't he? Oh, he's, he's nine months now. Nine months, my God, has it gone on that fast? Well, because I've seen your christening photos there the other day, I'm thinking, my God, that's, that's another lifetime ago for me. My eldest is 19 and my next one is 18 now next week. So it's just like, you wait till you get there. That's when the real money kicks in. You've got to be paying for everything. <laughs> what the hell? I'm thinking, I'm getting, you know, my bank balance is t- taking a massive hit. Um, since this guy's come into the world, and um, <laughs> oh, yeah, but people do say that wait, it warm-up. doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah. um, new prams, new this, new that. It's you're like fuck. I know. Um, I know. I'm happy to give up a lot of my beer time and uh, everything oh, yeah. else, but that's it's good. It's a good fun experience. I don't want to burst the bubble, but that doesn't stop. <laughs> people, people keep telling me that. I was like. Yeah, it's really hard at the start when you've got to buy all this stuff. And they're like, listen, it only gets worse. The older they get, the more they want. And That's why you have a um, second one, see, to justify the first one. Oh, man. <laughs> you get um, a, a better return on your investment. <laughs> I don't know about that. My my sleeping pattern and stuff is still not up to scratch, so I'm not sure about a second one. But I'd love to have a second one, but it's a... Uh, it's uh, something I'm going to have to take seriously. Um, well, as I say because... to people out there, I've got three. Uh, the youngest one's the hardest one, believe it or not. He's 13. But anyway, for, from a, a sort of strategic sort of point of view, don't ever be more than a family of four because it's surprising what goes against you. You'll know this if you keep doing your traveling on flights. The fifth one costs you a damn sight more money because they just oh. consider everything as a family of four. Taxis, theme parks, you name it. It's the way it's built. <laughs> Yeah. Again, see this. This is where the I like the digital landscape. I just think you know, will they adapt more to actually how people live these days? Um, I'm not sure they will. <laughs> no, no, I don't <laughs> think so. It's, it's the bottom line. That's what it'll always come down to: is whether it's feasible or not. Yeah, but the the looking people are looking for angles to absolute shaft you. You know, they give you those nice little intro deals, um, and you know, family are four. Or, or whatever, even get on the aeroplanes and stuff, they'll give you your first bag free and all that kind of stuff. But when you've got a baby and you need to take some food and stuff with you, you get absolutely pummeled for the the, the second and the third bag that you need. Um, and I was over in America there for a month and my baby takes these ready-made bottles. Right. And, he, and the brand of bottle that he loves is not sold in America. So we literally had to take 200 bottles with us to America. um, And we were absolutely shafted. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the interesting thing, see, is everything comes down to logistics. And the the brand that succeeds is the one that provides the best convenience of delivering it. 
Yeah. You know, so, um, so yeah, if you, if you found a company that was online and allowed you then to, you know, pack that sort of excess for baby uh, without really charging you that much, you're naturally going to move towards that brand. And, yeah. uh, and that's what I see more these days is we, we, we call it in marketing, your points of difference. We all have points of parity, which are your, your benefits, your features, unique selling points. But actually, what differentiates you is what makes you stand out. And again, I, I, we mentioned this off, off uh, air just before the podcast, is you've got a quite a memorable brand in being, you know, uh, wearing the shorts, having the tattoos, and having a glass of accent. But that makes, that makes you stand out amongst the minions, because that's the danger sometimes. You see that with some of these conferences that have got 500 speakers on, and you just think, what, 500? Who am I going to bloody see? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, obviously it wasn't a deliberate ploy to be uh, Glaswegian or have tattoo. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, and I actually... Well, I'm where, where, you origi- where are you originally from then? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm actually from Glasgow, but... Um, Sadly, I'd like to say that this was a strategy behind it, and uh, <laughs> it was great to stick out from the crowd and do this, that, and the next thing. Um, I still pinch myself when, uh, you know, a few guys will say to me, I mean, some people hate the whole tattoo, Glaswegian accent, and, and you know, a bit of swearing and a bit of honesty. Some people take that as... Yeah, yeah, not your thing. Everybody's a little bit different. I get, I get that, and I know. But the thing is, then the the open mind will always look past what they see as their their personal preferences, and they look to the thing that really matters, and that's the knowledge. Yeah, I mean, it, it, for ninety percent of the cases, I think people now respect and and say, right, fair enough. He's got his angle. He's got his point, and you know, he's off his head or, or whatever. And they're probably right. I'm, I'm a bit crazy and don't give a shit. And, <laughs> well, um, you stop. better looking than me. If they want a bald <laughs> guy with sad, tired eyes, hey, I'm your man. <laughs> it's, um, but it is amazing that somehow um, I can be myself yeah. and do that. And I think that's what you have to be in this industry is be yourself. Like I could, could have put the suit on and gave it all the corporate bullshit talk and, you know, um, I think people can see through that straight away anyway. And Yeah, for, we, we all wear a persona. And the thing is, we all feel more comfortable, more relaxed doing something if we feel that our outward persona matches our inner persona. So, you know what? Never excuse who you are, uh, Craig, because... To be honest, that's how I found you originally, which was a couple of years ago, is that you look through the industry and you try and align yourself to people that uh, got something credible to say because those are the ones that you want to learn off. And that's exactly how I found you is your brand, you know, it, it emanated. It had its own sort of uniqueness about it. And you know what? That's your strength. Yeah. No, it's definitely um, – I would always encourage anyone to do it. I think we're in 2019 now, you know, when – I was a, a young kid growing up and stuff. You always wore shirts and ties to interviews and yeah. uh, do stuff like that. At client meetings, believe it or not, I still go with shorts and a t-shirt on. If I, I was doing client meetings um, or consultancy or whatever, um, I literally do turn up like dressed like that 
Um, so yeah, uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. I I, I welcome. I mean, uh, obviously Sweden are leading the way when it comes to the way that we work within our uh, employment. You know, like uh, you, if you don't take paternity leave off, it's actually frowned upon because they don't think that you get, you appreciate that work life balance. And I, I know everybody talks about this work life balance, but I see it a lot on LinkedIn on Sunday and how many people actually enjoy doing work on a Sunday because they don't have the pressure of clients and they don't want to feel guilty for it but i don't think you have to i think in this day and age where we go beyond nine to five and i think this is where the seo industry has led for many years to be honest because of the very nature of it's being portable and linked into the internet and clients being then global is at the end of the day you you make your work the way it is if you're not happy with it change it and that's why I hear a lot with people is, and this is what I enjoy with the teaching, is I look into the pain culture of other businesses, and some of them have those same sticking points. They have quite caustic uh, working cultures in there. And as I say to them, why are you doing the course? Because you're doing it for two reasons. Firstly, for professional, but you're getting paid for that because that's your time for your employer. But also, what's your personal because you're going to possibly career hop. You're never going to be in one business for the rest of your life. That doesn't exist any longer. You're going to keep moving back and forth. You're adding more values or skills to your set. So therefore, you need to make sure that you are happy with what you're doing. And if you're not, jump. No one's forcing you. We'll all earn enough money to pay keep. Exactly. Um, But I think people have a fear that they won't earn enough money. That's the thing. People are riddled with fear. I've spoke to so many guys um, in this industry, whether it be through training or just meeting them, and they're like, yeah, I've got, I've got all these plans and I'm going to jump out of the job. And uh, and they're just riddled by fear of keeping this 2K a month yeah, um, or, or whatever the salary might be. Everyone's different. but No, uh, it t- think- tends to be the norm. And the problem is, I mean <laughs> – people don't know what they don't know and this is not me being preachy because i don't want to sound preachy but at the end of the day when you read the like rich dad poor poor dad by robert sayaki and you realize there are many other ways to earn income whether it be passive or earned and this is what in fairness seo industry has learned quite quickly are there other ways to get money in because clients can be a right royal pain in the ass it's easier to do my own projects or do things like affiliate marketing or rank and rent or whatever or flip domain names or websites you realize then oh there's other ways to earn money and then yeah. when you realize that moment you kind of thinking well a i'm not tied by nine to five b i'm not tied by a salary that is set the ceiling set because it's something that um, brad burton talks about all the time the guy who does for networking is you're trading time it's the one commodity we all trade and is fixed i can learn more i can do more i can i can enjoy more things i do but the one thing i can't change is time so when you realize yeah. that you're going in and you're putting your feet under somebody's desk nine to five, and credit, there are some really fantastic people I've met who've done that and are happy doing that because contentment comes from compromise. Compromise in the sense of I'm happy with my lot. But most entrepreneurs like your good self and me, we always want more. But we don't want just more financially. We want more in rewards, in value, in learning more, in discovering more. We're pushing the envelope all the time, and that's what I love meeting people because then you meet likewise people who are doing exactly the same, but you learn life lessons from them. They're doing it in other ways. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's just 
getting yourself into the position to give you that time to be able to do all of that stuff. And as you say, you can get bogged down. So one thing you can't, no no amount of money can buy is time. Oh, God, no. And uh, you have to work smartly to free up the time to be able to do that stuff and take it up to the next level. And it's uh, But it's just one big game at the end of the day. It's of course just, it is, of course. If, uh, you, if you're not prepared to fail, then you're not really prepared to learn. Because you see that some people will play things safe. You know, they'll write a, a SERP or they'll do a little bit of moderate keyword research or they'll do what the competitor's doing. But you're thinking, okay, but you're just going left when everybody else is going left. What happens then when the winner is going right? You've got to be able, uh, we, we call it change management, which is employing the direct principle, denial, resistance, emotion, and commitment. Most people don't like that, clients included. And I've got it now next week. I've got a big migration with a company on a, a website that we've been on now for the last six months. And I just know the fear and trepidation of what they're doing. I've heard it so many times in those catch-up meetups. I don't think we should have started this process. We should have just basically stayed where we are. Well, then doing nothing guarantees one result. If you want to be the market leader, you have to go against the current tide and you have to be seen to be the leader. And doing, as I said, doing nothing gets one result, but doing something will get a result. Yeah. No matter how little that something is. Exactly. Um, and I think that's the job of most SEO and marketers these days is actually being the, the project manager, the person that actually goes in that meeting and says, this is what you need to do. And you, you mentioned it earlier, you, you teach other um, companies and you go in there and you train up their team. But realistically, you're wearing many hats in there, which is project management, which is taking them through that change management. There's going to be pain points, but likewise, your experience is what will help them get through it. Exactly. Um, it's, it's not easy. And, you know, sometimes you ask yourself, are you still an SEO or are you? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> A recruitment consultant because they help interview people and bring people into teams. You know, you have to adapt into being some, you know, learning a bit more about how you interview people and the different techniques and and the different angles that interviewers use. You know, I've heard um, people in the, the past, even on my podcast, someone said recently that the part of their interview process is they take a guy or a girl down the pub um, as part of the interview and loosen them up with a few beers because they want to see how they are. <laughs> yeah, um, but I like that. I like that the you know the old cliched interviews have gone. I, I, like you, I've sat in so bloody many of them over the years, and hearing those some of those stupid redundant questions. Where do you see yourself in five years' time? Probably not in this job, but you can't say that at the time. Not when you want the job, but you you just hear these redundant rhetorical questions, and you just think, ask me something interesting. Ask me something different. And I always, in, in the last few years where I've gone into agencies, I've always pushed the envelope and I've always been cheeky. And I've, put, <laughs> I've actually put the interview more on the spot. And you could probably tell from me, I've, I've always been a little bit more assertive than that. And sometimes it's gone in my favor and sometimes it hasn't. But I firmly believe life has karma. If it's meant to yeah. work that way, it's just going to work that way. And there's enough people out there will buy into what you're selling and know that, you know what? This is a person that can deliver the results for us. Yeah, no, I think if you've got the balls to be a little bit cheeky, yes. you know, it, t- it probably ticks a box on me anyway, but I'm weird that way. <laughs> uh, 
But uh, no, I like ca- a character. But you know, the point with, with the chap that said he takes people down the pub is most people, including myself, when I had an agency, yeah. were interviewing people. And basically, what I would do is interview 10 people in one day, yeah. half hour slots. And did I really get to know that person? What was I looking at? Yeah. Was I looking at what they were wearing? Was I looking at how they conducted themselves through the interview? Was I looking at their um, CV? You know, what what was I actually looking for? Because I wasn't looking at them in a personal level. Um, and that's probably why I hired a whole bunch of the wrong people. They weren't the right fit. No. And it's because you, you have that half hour or an hour to try and make that decision. And, you know, I would get 10 people in. Regardless of what was happening, I was picking one of them. Um, you know, that was just something that was forced. Whereas the other guy said, I'm going to take more time than that. I'm going to actually take them down the pub. And it might cost me an extra 20, 30 bucks per interview. Yeah. But it gets but another person. It gets another person that yeah, I feel is yeah. the right fit for my team. How many times have you how many times have you hired someone and had to let them go yeah. within a two or three week period because they don't <laughs> fit into your culture or they're not what they said they were in the interview. So I think it's a really good thing. You know, just a small thing like that. No, no. Is, the uh, problem is you're leveraging your business and having been a business owner as well, you're scared by taking staff on sometimes because at the end of the day, right, there's two parts to that. The first part is whilst they have, you know, they've got the the necessary qualifications, it's on their CV or they've come through a recruitment company and they've been put forward, that's all well and fine. That gets you a place at the table, but it won't keep you there. The only thing that keeps you there is passion and a thirst for knowledge. And those are the things exactly going down the pub will demonstrate. You get to know the person behind the the, the persona because you're in a very short space of time, you are getting that person to come to your business, give them access to your assets, and they're either going to literally pummel it into the ground or they're going to take it through the roof. Sometimes they do something in between, but ultimately you're jeopardizing everything that you've worked for and putting it on the line. And it's scary when you see that to play. The second part of that then is I see it with brands more so these days, how many lean back on their heels and not on their toes. Hence the reason we see so bloody many, you know, going through Thomas Cook, uh, Maplin's, Courts, MFI, Toys R because at the end of the day, smart people in a boardroom can sometimes make dumb decisions. And that's not to do them a disservice. It's because they have more to leverage and it becomes scary. And that's why yeah. I like being on you know, being a freelancer by all accounts, because at the end of the day, I have less to leverage like I did with my business. I built my business up over 10 years and it was worth a lot of money. And then having people come in and then wreck it or not do it, not doing what they promised they'd do leaves a bit of taste in your mouth, but also can set the clock back. And that's the danger with brands these days is you've got to really know the person you're taking on is the right fit. And doing conventional interviews is so redundant. It doesn't, it doesn't tell me more about this person. What, what floats this person's boat? What do they do? What makes them tick? What makes them think that they're going to go in next week like I am because I'm all off, off now with the kids half turn, but actually go in next week to go and do this migration because I give a shit. Or as I say, <laughs> it's that gaff factor, give a fuck. Because at the end of the day, I live with me 24-7. This is what I say to people every day. I live with me 24-7. So at the end of the day, there's only one voice in my head that's going to nag me. Apart from the yeah. mi- apart from the message, she comes a close second. <laughs> a close second. A close ah. second. Yeah, mother-in-law, a close third. <laughs> oh, 
I'll be I'll be sure when I release this uh, podcast to edit that do out. A bit more research. <laughs> no, I'll do a bit more research and tag them in it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, no, AFS have always gotten them great because they like what they see and, and and we've always been candid. And I think that, again, coming back to what we're talking about, that is what's missing these days when you talk to clients is being candid, is saying, that's broken, that's broken, that's broken. And I'm not being critical, but at the end of the day, if, we, if you fix the weakest links, you're going to have a strong brand. It's no good me patting you on the back saying, well, you're doing a great job on this and a great job. I know that already. We, you, you do it like I do it. When you do your um, your uh, competitor analysis or you do your market analysis or keyword research, you have to do it. And this is why I find it, I, I personally have never put this out because for me doing that is two to three days research. But through that, I get discovery. I find areas that they're weak, areas that they're strong, where they're leaning in more, one market more than another. And that gives you the opportunity then to go back and give them actually a strategy to say, right, this is what you should be doing. This is how you should be changing the landing pages. This is how we built, restructure your silo structure on the page. And by understanding that, you can go off and delegate to the team to go and have a whole lot of new content written, the web development team to restructure the website. And all of a sudden, then you start seeing it within a three-month period. Wow, I was on the money. The organic tra- traffic's coming back in. Pay traffic's uh, kicking in lovely as well. You see the conversions starting to come in. And you actually see the client happy that all those changes and it, the expenditure wasn't for nothing. Because unfortunately, nine times out of ten, they've been bloody burnt before then. <laughs> yeah, I've heard some absolute horror stories um, just in my recent years of doing consultancy and stuff. Yeah. Um, absolute horror stories with, with some of the stuff that's going on out there um but i think with any industry there's there's uh rogue tradesmen uh, when it comes to putting roofs up and true true uh, rogue etos so um unfortunately you have platforms like the pph and the fiverr and the upwork that whilst they serve the needs of the person trying to get more work ultimately they do more damage to an industry because when you only set it on a price and price alone people will over promise and under deliver it's going to happen and i think it's it's a crying shame that there are some great don't get me wrong there are some really great freelancers on there that earn their living and it's surprising how many agencies are on there as well but when you're shopping by price and price alone, I want to be on page one. I can guarantee it. And you just think, well, that's bullshit straight away. And you, and, and and whilst I can say this to you, I, I'm the type of person, I lean back a little bit rather than have these conversations with people do because I could just spend all day replying back to these, these forums and platforms and saying, well, that's bullshit. There's no way that's going to work. You have no idea what you're talking about because you just know, unfortunately, these are the people that are giving our industry a bad name. But likewise, yeah. every other industry probably has them as well. I mean, you can't. Obviously, <laughs> I used to have a fight with a few of these guys online and and on LinkedIn and stuff like that because um, I went through a phase where it really pissed me off and I would start, you know, riots on LinkedIn, <laughs> <laughs> calling out bullshit. But I think what that does is puts a target in your back and yeah. back to what Brad Button said is you can't buy time back and it's just a complete yes. farce. Worry about what you're doing and, and your time rather than wasting time with these bullshitters. Um, although it's fun sometimes. Sometimes I do still go on and do the odd troll here and there. Yeah. Um, but um, 
yeah, I think you have to... To be fair, we live in a day and age now where everybody's got a voice and they're pretty wise to how they can use it. And thank God for things like reviews. So I think naturally, if you're full of shit, you get found out and you then you get weighed and measured and people will appropriately put the right information up about you. Yeah, sometimes they can be a bit um, emotional about it to start with because it is personal and it hurts. But ultimately, that sticks and you get a reputation. And I think that's from my own perspective. That's why I said 30 years have been, you know, plugging away at doing all this sort of work, marketing, especially seven years in the SEO. Uh, it's only the last couple of years I really wanted to build a digital footprint because I'd rather take my time, nurture that correctly for the next couple of decades than rush in there like everybody does and say, well, I'm an expert in this. I seen one the other day, right? And I screen grabbed it. And the guy was advertising. He's a PPC expert. That was his title. And he could tell you the winning techniques for 2020. <laughs> and, and I thought, wow, really? Knowing how many changes happen on a month-by-month basis uh, on Google Ads. But this guy knows because he's an expert. And the, the sad thing is the audience that is uneducated will see that and think, oh, possibly he does. And that, those are the people that need to be called out and literally burnt and roasted like witches on a stake sooner rather than later. But I kind of think there's enough online policing to do that anyway these days. Yeah, it's uh, but you, as you say, it's the, 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 the you say there's, there's online policing. There is to a certain degree, but yeah. this industry is not regulated. That you know, it's a free for all in other ways True. as well. And it's a uh, but it's fun. It's fun. I wouldn't change it. No, um, of course I'm, not. I'm you do some black hat SEO then, isn't it? <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> you, you, you just have what was it was it there's a new one now isn't it google just come up with it they, they're doing their fake um profiles aren't they they're creating fake profiles that are genuine avatars that you can use and you just think well that's open to abuse you just know how some people are going to go and use that so i don't yeah. succeed as me you know what i just become this alter ego and then I just build a whole profile on that. The only time that it's going to be adrift is when you actually see me in in uh, in face to face, and then you put the image to the face and go, "Oh my god, it's like being on a dating site." Yeah, you've been catfished. You're probably some hot blonde <laughs> yeah. um, alter ego, um, flirting with everyone and and getting, you know, if I take whatever, if I take but, my tips from RuPaul, I'll be all right. I'll get by. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you just never know who to trust or believe online because what may seem to be a very genuine person may be someone of the complete opposite sex and um, i've seen it all so but it's fun fun in games as i say but sadly andrew we are out of time we've been waffling on for <laughs> nearly an hour and um, wow that's fast so it was fast, and uh, I think we could probably sit here talking for 10 hours and <laughs> chatting. We, we will when we get a pub in front of us. Yeah, or you invite me down to your meetup. Yeah, one yeah, or the other. means. <laughs> but for anyone who likes what you've got to say, potentially interested in your training or potentially interested in your client services, where is the best place for people to find you? Uh, oneseo.co.uk. 
wantseo.co.uk. And I'm totally transparent. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. That's probably where my complete profile is. My mobile number's on there as well because I'm an open networker. Um, as soon as I meet people, I put their names in so I know who I'm talking to nine times at 10 before I even pick up the phone. So I'm happy to advertise. <laughs> um not sure that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might come a time where I have a burner phone, but for the, for the moment, it works. It works. Um, but, yeah, no, as long as it's working for you, then great. But I do appreciate you taking out the time to come on and share some useful insights and in how things are working for you. Um, and, as I say, good luck with the meetup. I've heard good things about it and it's been running for a year or so. Um, If anyone in Swansea or surrounding areas is looking for somewhere to go, get along to the uh, meetup down in Swansea. Andrew's running it. But as I say, thank you for now and hopefully we'll get you on in the future. Perfect. It's been a pleasure. Great. And I'll see you soon. Maybe maybe even in Milan. Oh, 